0: And we welcome you in here to the latest edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Ball and the Hoopball Podcast Network. I am Damian Barling along with your host Joe Adge Bryant West of the Kings Herald. He's going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. We'll talk about the upcoming NBA draft. It is just about a month away and We'll give you our thoughts on some perspective picks for the Sacramento Kings there at number 12. Perhaps what are the chances of them moving that pick. Honestly, we don't know the answer to any of these questions because we've got a brand new front office. We have no idea what this front office is thinking, and I don't imagine they're going to let us know anytime soon, but it's going to be fun to speculate. I uh, want to remind you to, or I guess I should say, want to ask you uh, to please uh, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Uh, really does help us a lot, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Our analytics say most of you, not all of you, but most of you listen through Apple devices, specifically the Apple Podcast app. So if you could leave us a five star review if you think we're well, worth it. And if you got a couple of minutes to jot down your thoughts there in the review section, that would go a really, really long way for us. And if you're looking for more sports content, we've got you covered there in that same Apple Podcast platform. All you got to do is search Be Heard. Uh, we've partnered here with the hoop ball podcast uh, be heard and hoop ball have partnered together and we bring you some of the best podcasts in the city including this one and your host joe adge and myself we're thrilled to bring you every single wednesday you could check out deuce and mo uh, many of you are already and you should be very very familiar with the deuce and mo podcast that comes out uh, every single morning monday through thursday if you're just looking for more king's content, no problem. Watching the tape with Sanjay Singh and Tim Maxwell, also of the King's Herald, that's available on the Be Heard platform. As is J Street Vibes with my partner over on ESPN 1320, Kenny Caraway and Jason Jones, the King's beat writer for the Athletic. Uh, Sean and Vaughn are on there as well. Also, more great sports content uh, if you're looking for just something fun. If you want to support local content, go to Be Heard. You can check out. Uh, snack time with Mac and Ash. That's a fun podcast. The dope ones. That's a great podcast about uh, being an entrepreneur and building a business. Really good stuff there uh, with Is dope. So go check that out. If you want to find those podcasts again, just go to Apple podcasts and search be heard. They'll all pop up for you right there. You don't have to search them individually. They'll pop up right there for you after you search be heard. And you'll see our logo there in the lower right hand corner, just as you do here with the sacramento kings podcast so i've taken up enough time let's get started here with joe edge Jill partner how you feeling hi what's going on can you tell people what your shirt says for for those who can't see it no you yeah. can't show well, it you've I'm showing
1: got you though I'm well, showing i know you
0: i can i can see what it yeah. says
1: no it's the um fuck it we deserve the win there you go look at
0: Jill. <laughs> Look at Jill. Uh, we've got company today. This is the first time we've had a guest since you and I have done this podcast together. So this is cool. And with the draft coming up, we've got Brant West, the draft expert uh, for the Kings Herald. And it's it's weird. Like, the draft is the only thing that we really know, Brian. Like, the draft is November 18th. That's about all we know as it pertains to the upcoming season.
2: Yeah. And it's even, uh, that in itself is still really weird to me. Um you know, COVID's knocked everything out of alignment for pretty much the entire year. But to still be taught class in October when we had to stop watching games in February <laughs> is absolutely bizarre in itself. But to know that that's the only thing set on the NBA calendar is absolutely crazy. And then to be a fan of the organization that just hired a new GM and you have no idea how Monty McNair is going to go into this draft. It's uh, it's a really crazy time and it's in pretty impossible to predict how the kings are going to go into this draft.
0: Yeah, that's a that's another great point, Joe. We don't know anything about like we, we have no we, with Vladi th- with-
1: yeah, everything we've heard is oh, they talked to these people prior to the new staff coming on. So like we literally have nothing <laughs> to go on um for this new group. And I mean, the head of our scouting just came from Philadelphia. So it's not like they were necessarily looking at players, you know, in our range. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how um how you know that how they how they work that out and who honestly was here during all this time and what scouting, you know, work was done. Um between the bubble and the new hiring, um, they we kept being told that oh, all these people were letting go, you know, that are being let off, um, had nothing to do with you know who was doing the scouting and then things in the background. But yet we have no idea who those people are or if that was even true, you know, to an extent and and how much work had been done. And then I mean it was Zoom calls like that's that's what you could even do so it wasn't like you were necessarily seeing workouts of guys that's just now started in what maybe the last couple weeks and and anything you've seen it's you know one-on-one and it's usually espn or you know reporters out there looking at them not necessarily even team staff yet so can
0: we have a quick sidebar before we dive into perspective picks and all of that stuff? Because we are recording this on, on Wednesday. Dude, how about Daryl Morey in Philadelphia? Like, who like who had that on the, this is happening, this off? Oh, put your hand down. You did not. Did that you really?
1: Day, that day, I literally said, go east, and I want to see a Doc Morey pairing. Of course. I, you. I did you really? <laughs>
2: wow. Of course, she did right he right. has amazing amazing predictive skills
1: i said if you're gonna go somewhere go east and that they had the relationship and it was reported that he wanted doc after doc was let go so there you go
0: i actually do remember your go east line because you used <laughs> it here on the podcast so I'll, I'll i'll give you that i do i do kind of remember that so i'll i'll yeah. I'll give you that but and yeah
1: part of me wanted him to go east so if you're gonna pull any more stars take them east with you and and help
0: us some in the West. Okay. Well, most normal people were surprised by this a little bit. Jill wasn't, but you know, other normal people were. (laughs) And then right after we get the Steven Silas announcement, like it, it, cause I was like, dude, seriously, Daryl Morey found another job before Houston hired their head coach. And a couple hours later, we get uh, Silas headed to Houston uh, as the, from, uh, from, from Dallas. So,
1: yeah. That's well, an inter- interesting How like that whole Jeff Van Gundy more like how that whole thing played out and you've neither of of them st- one never came and one left. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's interesting for for a lot of reasons, because I can't like Brian, what do you think? Like, I don't know if the Houston job is good.
2: No, I do not envy Silas whatsoever. Um, that's a team that has really high expectations and. Um, you know, it's going to be a really interesting uh, project for a new general manager a new head coach just to put all those pieces together. And I think, you know, any rocky start or uh, any content at all is just going to send that team into a quick spiral. I don't envy him in that position whatsoever.
0: Oh, man, that's tough. That's that's such a tough gig. So that just leaves Oklahoma City left and uh, with... Um, was it Nate Bjorgensen? I think is, is in, uh, I think that's Indiana. And now with uh Steven Silas, I don't know who's winding up with that Oklahoma city gig. Uh, but that's yeah. another, that's another really interesting one, a young team. You have the Chris Paul dynamic that doesn't necessarily, you know, need to be dealt with by the head coach and needs to be dealt with by Sam Presti, but still it is kind of lingering over the franchise. as to like, what are we going to do with this? So, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting how this is kind of all played out. And then, of course, you know, there was the tweet from Chris Haynes today. The, the league had proposed December 22nd to the Board of Governors. And Chris Haynes tweeted that a contingent of players and a contingent of star players, because they're different in the NBA, there's players and their star players have said, ah, maybe we go with MLK Day, our second biggest day of the year, instead of going with Christmas Day as our the big, four teams big that were
1: probably left in the bubble. <laughs> I mean, I can guess it would probably be them because they've had less time than anybody else. Yeah. But I mean, and then you think about half the league hasn't, you know, played an actual game since March. So it's to me that read more of like the last maybe four teams that were left um have said, you know, push it out. But I'd, It'll be interesting because you saw them talk about how they wanted. Or the just TV LeBron. And, yeah. <laughs> right, or, yes. um, But how they wanted the the Christmas day, you know, they mm-hmm. wanted that TV money and things like that. So, but then they just came out and were saying too, that they're going to start looking at maybe trying to do it in like a baseball series way. Did you see that? The schedule? They're going to release it like half of the schedule and look at doing like team series.
0: I, yeah, I did. I did see that. That I, I mean, they're they're trying anything. They want to get as much of a schedule played in home markets as they can. So I don't I don't fault they them for trying. To
1: play, and they still want the play in tournament, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah, I need to see it.
1: It'll be it'll yeah. I be I need to, see it. to see what the final product ends up, you know, when they officially agree on whatever they're agreeing on. but. Um, it's definitely going to be unlike anything we've seen before, which just goes with everything it's else. on brand.
0: Yeah, you know? that's, that's life. Everything, uh, everything is brand, brand new for us. But as we started this uh, whole thing with Bryant, we noted that the one thing we do know is the draft is November 18th. Uh, it's already been moved once. It doesn't sound like it's going to get moved again. It's, it's just a, a handful of weeks away now. I know you've done a number of draft profiles, Brian. If you, if, if, if all things, you know, in line and the Sacramento Kings don't trade up, they don't trade down. They just make a good old fashioned selection there at number 12. Who's got your eye? Like, if you've got a, a big board, you know, this guy's going to be there at number twelve. You know, maybe the twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Who who's 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 the apple of your eye right now?
2: Well, I got a couple names. Most of the of my favorites aren't going to be in the Kings uh, range at twelve. Uh, Isaac Okoro is probably my favorite player in this class. No way he lasts to Sacramento. Um, Devin Vassell's probably the secret favorite of most of King's Twitter. He's definitely not going to be there at twelve. Uh, so for me, I've really been working on profiling players I actually think could be in the Kings range. Uh, and the ones I've covered, Patrick Williams is probably my favorite. Uh, power forward from Florida State. Uh, really uh, high motor kid an exceptionally intelligent defender. Um, I think he's got an underheralded uh, offensive game. Uh, but the main thing is is he's probably going to be a year or two away from big contribution. And uh, to me, that's honestly kind of what Sacramento needs to be taking here. I know that there's a lot of uh, prospects that Kings fans are selling themselves on like Sadiq Bay or Aaron Naismith, um, who under Vladi Divac, I think the Kings would have been more apt to take gambles on guys who could have uh, provided immediate roles um, to try to really, you know, immediate push this team to the playoffs. But if I was Monty McNair, I'd be going for the home run swings. Uh, Patrick Williams stands out there. Tyrese Maxey, those kind of guys who are maybe a year away from you know really really contributing. But I think this team needs a really solid reset. Um, a bad year next year isn't going to be too bad when the 2021 draft looks so promising. Um, so for me, I'm looking at a lot of upside players in this draft and. The one thing that Monty McNair has said is that he uh, looks for talent and upside in the draft. So it'll be interesting to see if that and answer leads him to actual players or if he goes for somebody more ready to contribute from day one. So uh, like you guys kind of talked about last week, this draft is going to be the real first chance we get to see how McNair approaches this rebuild.
0: Joe, what do you think?
1: Yeah. Agree. No. And I know we've had these conversations offline before, but um, Williams, I know, I think you were the first person that really um, brought him to my attention um, just based on that the the season was cut short and not being able to really see where some of these guys you would have saw, I think, shine in the tournament had it been there. Um, and I also think Maxi is that kind of guy mm-hmm. where, um you see Kentucky guards kind of underutilized in in the college game and then when they end up going pro you see so much more than what you were I I don't even want to say led to believe but just based on their system um but I was going to ask you too what between Maxie and Lewis who do you think would pair better if they were looking at like a two guard based, like if you were going to run him with Fox where, cause I know Lewis is, is like crazy Fox speed like that, where you would have the fastest backcourt by far. Um, and if they really mm-hmm. are going to play with pace, that is kind of interesting to me, but Maxie, I think might be more of the two-way player. Um, that the Kings need? Do you have a preference for for like a second guard?
2: Well, I've actually flipped back and forth on Tyrese Maxey and Kara Lewis on my big board multiple times. Um, Right now I have a strong preference for Tyrese Maxey because like you said, he's more of a two-way guarantee kind of player. Um, Like you said, uh, Kentucky off guards have had a real uh, shine in recent years of showcasing underutilized talent that didn't get shown so much at Kentucky. Um, Kentucky is a really good school at uh, making these players uh, well-known to the public and getting them high draft spots. But um, it's, it's been, you know, a regular occurrence now, Devin Booker, um, Jamal Murray, those kind of guys just come out and showcase a lot more than they have ever, ever did at Kentucky. And I really think that can be the case for Maxie. Um, the big concern for him is he isn't really a great shooter, but Kentucky really had no great shooters this year, and Maxey didn't have uh, as many open looks as I think he'll get in, in the NBA, in, with NBA spacing. And, and while he's not as fast as Kira Lewis, uh, I, he definitely is a very fast, heady guy. And between Fox and Maxi, you're just going to have two insane drivers to the basket. Um, and if there's something I love with Maxi more than pretty much anybody in the Kings draft range, it's the intensity he plays with. I mean, it's almost Marcus Smart level of uh, grit on the floor. The dude just gives it 100 percent at all times, especially on the defensive end. I've long been a guy who really wanted to see the Kings draft uh, defense first kind of guys. And uh, I definitely see that in Tigris Maxi. He's uh, just a bulldog, puts his head down and plays above his six, three size. um, I really think that uh, Maxie Fox backcourt would be a lot of fun to watch for a couple years. Yeah,
1: I know you mentioned Marcus, Martin. He kind of almost has a a Kyle Lowry feel as well to me um, size wise, but you were mentioning to his, his threes, but, and I thought, um, reading some of the stuff on him is that he acknowledged that was obviously um, something he needed to work on. And it said that since, Um, I believe it was May he's been getting up at like 4 30 in the morning doing two a days every day five days a week Um, and he shoot and he has to make 1600 threes per day I mean that's like Mm -hmm. I mean if if you're gonna keep this kid obviously is a workhorse and we like workhorses and Mm -hmm. and kids that want to work and want to get better and acknowledge I didn't get to show everything that that I think I can be or show, and so I'm going to basically prove you all wrong. Um, and he's young; he fits that age range that we're looking for with these young guys, realistically. Um, so, yeah, totally agree that I think um, he's a name that's a kind of a sleeper name that's been showing up more and more um, in, in discussion. And if
2: you want to, if you want a sleeper reason to think that the Kings might select him, he's already worked out with Fox. Um, coming from Kentucky, I mean, these Kentucky guys pretty much all know each other, of course, but he apparently has looked up to Fox for a long time. Like when he was a young teenager, his dad took him to Kentucky to watch Fox, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, but, I mean, any one of these guys is going to fit Sacramento's age range, which is kind of why I have a preference for the more upside guys, um, Try to find those guys who are on the Aaron Fox's timelines. Don't worry so much about trying to find guys who can contribute immediately. Um, but to your point about Maxie's work ethic, you know, one of the real benefits, um, one of the dozens and dozens of complications of this crazy draft season has been that all these guys have had a lot longer to work out in the gym, fix things that in their games that have holes. You know, this isn't the normal turnaround where they stop playing with their team in practice and, you know, March and April like normal. And by May, they're just flying or having interviews and doing workouts. I mean, there's a lot of these guys. Tyrese Maxey's putting up so many shots. I'm sure that he's done a ton of work in the gym. Um, other guys I've profiled, like Josh Green, looks like a completely different dude. He's probably added 20 pounds of muscle. Um, so many of these players are just going to look completely different than they did yeah. In February, when they had to stop playing,
1: yeah, which I think Just is why you're seeing names kind of start to rise that weren't necessarily a, uh, there. Adjust.
2: So, yeah, let me and let me throw know, this a lot at us you too. Scouts have too much time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let me throw this at you guys uh, because this is another dynamic as it pertains to kind of the uniqueness of the season and the uniqueness of the timeline that we have for the regular season. Uh, for free agency and for all of that different stuff is how much do you think Bryant, the, the bogey buddy situation kind of play in, in, into the draft. Like it's not, I mean, free agency every year starts after the draft. Like that's, that's not a thing. Like that's not new. We know that, but with the unique dynamic of buddy and does he want to be here? Does he not want to be here? I, I, I feel like we know the answer to that, but we have a new front office in place and then you've got, well, bogey, you know, what is our, our top dollar that we're willing to match. Are we willing to match under any circumstance? How much do you think the situation of those two players affect the, the, the front office approach to the draft on the 18th?
2: Well, my immediate gut is hopefully kind of like what Jill said last week, I would have hoped that Monty McNair knows exactly what he wants to do with those two players. Um, Personally, I hope that he'd hold them on hold them around until you know, the right deal if he wants to trade, either of them comes about. Um, but I'm sure that he knows what he wants to do with Buddy Heald. I'm sure that he has an idea of uh, what Bogey's going to cost to keep around. I mean, this whole season has been so complicated uh, that who really knows, but to a certain extent, I would hope that that, that their draft selection would be regardless of players aside from De'Aaron Fox. Like I've always said that I am a best player available kind of guy, unless you have a a culture and franchise cornerstone at all. And the only guy for me to consider when it comes to fit is really De'Aaron Fox. Um, So as long as the player is both McNair's best player available and doesn't slow De'Aaron Fox down, I think that he's going to be able to justify any selection regardless of what he wants to do with Buddy Heald or Bogdan Bogdanovich. But I know a lot of Kings fans are really... Um, zooming in on a couple of players with the expectation that Buddy Field or Bogdan Bogdanovich get traded. Um, I just published a profile this morning on uh, Kings Herald covering Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt, who is one of the best shooters in this draft. Uh, six six uh, guard wing, who's got a really long wingspan and shot incredibly well in his 14 games before he injured his foot this year. And a whole bunch of really smart fans are hoping that Aaron Neesmith is the pick at 12 because he's such a natural replacement he's for totally whichever ready. one of those guards. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of fans that say that I don't love that comparison only because that y- you can't replace a top three shooter in the NBA with any rookie. And yeah. um, I'm afraid that Aaron Neesmith is just going to, that's going to give too high expectations for him. But You know, there are a lot of guards in this class that if Sacramento feels, all right, we're going to lose 30 minutes of buddy or bogey here, um, there there are going to be plenty of players who can replace, especially if the Kings aren't going to be pushing quite so hard for the playoffs next year.
1: And I do think it's interesting that people are down on buddy but yet want to replace him with the younger taller buddy healed like you yeah, you exactly. have the buddy healed already like what I mean you don't have to get rid of him unless it's more of an issue than we even know about but I did think it was funny it was like oh yeah no send him out and then we want to get the young taller maybe buddy healed
0: well, I don't yeah. think anyone fault like no one dislikes his offensive game. No one likes his dislikes his ability to shoot. It's just in you and I have talked about this to death. And Bryant, you can weigh in here. I, I feel like Buddy is a very talented shooter, an extremely talented shooter. You just said he's top three in the league, but he's not a great scorer. Like he's not a great uh, this. Was, I don't want this. To, he He's not a great basketball player. Like he's bad. Def- he's awful defensively. He can't create, but he does one thing and he does it better than just about anyone in the league. There are only a few people that are better than him. So where are you on the on the Buddy train before we get back to some of these other draft picks? Like, are you are you in on Buddy? Are you ready to see him move on? Like, what would you like the backcourt to look like when the season resumes or starts, I guess?
2: The first thing, I'd love to see Luke Walton alter how he uses Buddy Hield. Um, buddy Hield should be given the ball and shoot, none of this over dribbling, use him as a secondary playmaker. It's just, that is clearly not Buddy's game. It's never been Buddy's game. Um, You know, it's kind of still simplistic to say that I'd love to see him in a elite Duncan Robinson type role where you just throw screens and pin downs, just get him open, just get him shots. Don't try to make him into a player that he isn't. and to tie it back to our earlier conversation, a lot of what you just said about Buddy Hill is a shooter. He's not a defender. He's not a playmaker. He's not a driver. All of those things are what I wrote about with Aaron Neesmith in my profile today. Like he's an incredible shooter. Nothing else in his game is pretty much oh, guaranteed. Dear. Yeah. So it, it, it really is hilarious that Kings fans are narrowing in on him as this Buddy Hield replacement when I think a lot of the same weaknesses exist more than yeah
1: and you're really relying on your player development I mean and that's I mean no not to knock on anybody you know on staff but that's not something that we have seen consistently here um at all um and so it it is hard to put any kind of faith necessarily in that and maybe under the new regime that that will change but is that, it yeah?
0: Is it crazy to think, and it's fine to say that it is, that Buddy can still be developed. Like if he like 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 coming in with Alvin Gentry and 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 perhaps a new philosophy from the coaching staff. Maybe we know that the front office is very hands on from our reporting from Jill Adge. This is a very hands on front office. Maybe they get down and talk about you know what they want from from Buddy a little bit.
1: I'm not convinced. Like that, I think that if you were to somehow put together a good team defensive scheme, I am not convinced that he would not like be able to do that. I think he could figure it out. I think he, he has enough speed. He has enough athleticism that I think if you had better, I mean, our team doesn't have defenders. If, if you had anything out there like that around, him I think it would be perfectly fine but because we're lacking in so many areas it just it flashes a huge spotlight on on guys like that which is why I think he would thrive in a Philadelphia and these other ones were that's all he has to go do yeah um but I'm not again if we were able to figure that out here I think he'd be perfectly fine but it depends on how much you're asking and how much development you're still looking for. But I, I mean, I, he wasn't, we didn't think he was horrible under Jaeger. Like there was no, we, he didn't have as much as that light on him I, under, under Dave. So mm-hmm. I, I refuse to believe that there's not something there that you wouldn't be able to, to figure out.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 with that. He, I still believe he's salvageable uh, here in Sacramento. No matter how many posts he likes in a Philadelphia uniform or a Clippers uniform or any other, you know, the 29 uniforms in the league. Like I don't care. He signed to the Sacramento Kings. He's an incredible shooter. You've got a great point guard. If you can get your number two overall pick healthy, I still believe. I I said this, I'm sure I said this to you a thousand times, Brian. I'll say it to you. This will be one of a thousand times. I don't believe this is a 30-win team. This team, to me, doesn't have the talent of a 30-something win, you know, with a 31, 32, 33-win team. De'Aaron Fox is very, very good. Buddy Heal does something really, really well. If you can get Marvin Bagley healthy and get him just into – you know, some sort of rhythm of playing consistent basketball. I feel like this is a good, a, a, not a good team, a better team than what we've seen. I don't know if the disconnect is coaching. I don't know if the disconnect is the organization overall. I don't know what it is, but I don't feel like this roster is garbage.
2: I, I don't think that the top of this roster is garbage. I think this the top of this roster has a lot of um, solid talent that needs to be properly utilized. Like, aside from De'Aaron Fox, I don't think that the Kings have a lot of players who can be good regardless of the structure that they're put into. Like, De'Aaron Fox will be great on any team in the league. Um, right.
1: And before we came on here, what was it? I think it was Tim that tweeted about Rashawn Holmes. What did he say? Something about that he was the most productive. Um,
2: He's I the most productive. Uh, I'm just okay, going to pull on. it up.
1: It was something about... He leads
2: the entire NBA in points per possession in transition. And the number of total transition plays he got this year was 29. Like You guys have said it multiple times. Kings fans have been saying it all year. I know Luke Walton wanted to pretend that he slowed the offense down to make them work on their half court, which is laudable because this team has never been great in the half court. But there is just never an excuse for having the fastest point guard in the league, a whole bunch of talent that needs to fly around the court and slowing them down to the extent that we saw from November to February.
1: Right. And again, you, you, like you mentioned, putting not utilizing the strengths of the players that, that are around him. I mean, we talked about buddy and then we just gave, you know, the Rashawn stats like that's, and to me, no matter who we pick, that's th- the coaching staff and how they figure this out is going to be the make or break of, of how this team goes.
2: Yeah. My hope is that Monty McNair approaches this draft going for a talented player and not overly worrying about who that, who that player is going to be coached by next year. Like take the talent, take somebody who can fit with this roster for a long time and not overly worry about making them immediately contribute under this coaching staff from day one.
0: And so it's yeah, it's interesting to think, you know, what because we're all I, I joked with Jill last week. I think that you know, we saw the press conference from Monty McNair. He did a you know a round of interviews. I don't think we're gonna ever see him again. I think he's just gonna go. He's gonna go to his office and he's gonna do his job. Like seeing general managers isn't normal. Like Jerry Jones has tried to normalize this stuff. It's not. Like it's very much not normal. So you know what happens next will be you know re- really interesting because we'll be learning it. Like we'll be finding it out for the first time. And he's a guy. It feels like anytime you talk about analytics, it feels like you're you're sitting back and you're looking like, okay, what's the long game here? How can we how can we shape this roster for the foreseeable future, basically, like you just said, and if we have to make changes in the front office, or excuse me, if we have to make changes with the coaching staff, that coaching staff that we bring in is going to be tailored to the offense that we're building here or, or be tailored to the, to the roster that we're building here.
2: Yeah, I agree. I would sure hope that that's his approach. And, uh, you know, um, Vani Divac probably showed up more than he needed to because he was, more than just a general manager. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. This team needs to go back to the era of Petrie, where we saw Petrie once a year, if that. Yeah. And then we saw him hanging out in this tunnel spot. Yep.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. We have what is it, three second round draft picks. Um yeah. I know we'll probably be surprised if we end up using all three, but um, just going into the second round, do you have any kind of targets or favorites that, um, that you would like the Kings to look at? Um,
2: you know, a lot of uh, fans on Twitter hype up the second round picks as, well, depending on who we take in the first round, that'll kind of set who we take. But it doesn't really matter. Um, there are going to be a lot of backup point guards available in the second round. So if the Kings are looking for somebody to play behind Darren Fox... Um, I love Malachi Flynn from San Diego state. I think he's going to be a really good player on both ends of the court. He knows his own limitations. He's a good shooter. He's a fantastic pick and roll player. Um, There are going to be some really good um, centers in the second round. Um, Killian Tilly from Gonzaga has long been one of the smartest uh, big men in in the league. It hurts me as a St. Mary's grad to uh, pump up any Gonzaga player, but He's a fantastic deep shooter, great defender. Um, He'd be a first-round pick if he'd just been healthy the last couple of years. Um, uh, If Isaiah Joe is there at 35, he's a shooting guard from Arkansas. I think he might be my preference in the second round over Aaron Smith in the first. He's a fantastic shooter, one of the best in the class. Um, There really are going to be who we consider like the depth of this class is anywhere from 15 to 40 and the Kings have picked 35, which is great. And if somebody else falls to, um, 43, I believe is their set. yes, it is their second, second round pick. Um, you know, it, I would hope that the Kings draft with those second round picks. I know that it's really easy to think that, you know, they'd have a tight roster. They don't have a lot of, uh, cap space and everybody in the league is pressed for cash this year. So would we really see them pick three second rounders? I don't know, but um, it's going to be a real test if Monty McNair's evaluation skills to see the Kings have not had any luck with second round picks in the last half decade. I mean, we'll see if Justin James becomes something, but to other sense, Isaiah Thomas, they really haven't found anybody. Um, this seems like a good draft to pull somebody.
1: And if, and even then, if they don't make your final roster, but if you can get, you know, I know we're not sure about what's going to go with the G league and all that, but I mean, he had mentioned this in the, um, his intro, you know, conferences how important it is to utilize your G league and, and, you know, these young guys and grow, you know, fit a system there and grow them in that. And, and then if it works and you can end up piecing them onto your team um, down the line, whether it's two-way or um, you end up signing them to a deal. But again, we've seen all these Toronto, Miami, these guys that um, even if they didn't draft them because the kids said that they didn't want to get drafted, but I'll, I'll sign with you after, you know. But if you can reach out to these ones and you can grab them there and grow them, we're seeing so many guys that of these successful teams that did that found the talent, you know, targeted it, grew it, and then were able to piece it into their, into their, um, you know, final roster um, pieces. But like you were saying, it does seem like there is quite a bit of talent in the second round that that you can try and utilize. And if this truly is a rebuilding team, like we all, you know, now think it's going to be that they're not going to be, you know, pushing if if they get the eight seed great, but they're not going to be making any crazy moves like before to where that's the end all be all um, then that's the kind of stuff they should really be, be utilizing.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And you talked about it in one of your last podcasts, Monty McNair is really kind of an asset guy. And I would really love to see him properly utilize second round picks and two-way contracts a lot better than um, the previous front office did. And that'll be a real test to see if he's really that uh, high IQ guy that we all hope he is.
1: Yeah. And I'm with you. And I like that you, you saw me, I lifted my hands up when you brought up Tilly, but uh, what, For a team that takes so many big guys, when are we going to learn that Gonzaga puts out the big guys that you should be drafting (laughs) that it seems that no matter where they land, they're successful. So I, that's who I would love to take a flyer on um, in the second, if it's there. Um, Tyler Bay is another one that I think could be, could be a good sleeper.
0: Yeah. I I think we're
2: on the fringe of the first for me.
0: I think we're going to have to do a, a second round of, uh, <laughs> of draft analytical work, which, of course, uh, Brian, you're going to be doing a whole bunch of this stuff uh, for the next month or so. So uh, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Appreciate your insight. We'd love to have you back on anytime, actually. Jill's probably sick of me at this point, so she'd like to see <laughs> someone else.
1: You're always welcome on. Well, thank
2: you both. I appreciate being the first uh, guest on the podcast and a big fan of both of you.
1: We'll have Thanks. to do it again as we get closer, because I know there's names like Poku that we didn't talk about that people are going <laughs> to be like they that they want to hear. So but what I really we'll can't wait for too, as we get closer,
0: what I can't wait for is when someone shoots up the draft board for no freaking reason whatsoever. It's just like, oh, wait a minute. Suddenly. This guy who was going to be taking 27th is, gosh, the scouts just love him. And now he's going third. He really nailed that Zoom call. So, uh, well, yeah, I'm our sure hope.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, Brian West of the Kings Herald, thank you so much for joining us. Jill, anything before we go? Nope.
1: Just thanks, everybody, for listening.
0: We appreciate you. Again, subscribe, rate, and review. Follow on all social media. And we'll be back here on the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Ball and the Ball Podcast Network in partnership with Be Heard. We'll be back here next Wednesday.